Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth. Uh, usually, I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Dorian, of course. The seat would be empty, but it's filled by someone else <laughs> today. And uh, Tom is off on a silent retreat. And so uh, I've been trying to get him to be silent for so many years now. And this is the first time. And unfortunately, he's not here to be silent with us. He's being <laughs> silent with the Lord on a retreat. And, and we wish him well uh, on that spiritual journey. But sitting in a seat is a good friend of ours at the Catholic Cafe. And that's Mike Bishop. Mike, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> Thank you, Deacon Jeff. It's great to be here. Tom, uh, I love you. You know, uh, you had to collect like the most cereal box tops or something. Thing to win this award to be. <laughs> yes, right. And you actually had the choice to win uh, like either a secret decoder ring or <laughs> to guest host on the uh, Catholic Cafe. And you took the Catholic Cafe. So for whatever reason you did that, we don't know. But we thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, we've got a great guest with us today. Uh, many of you have heard of him. It's uh, Curtis Martin. And Curtis is the president and founder of Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So Curtis, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Deacon Jeff, Mike, it's great to be with you. We'll talk a little bit about Focus maybe a little bit later. But but lately, there's been this other buzzword that's out there, a buzz phrase that we hear. We hear it from the Holy Father all the way down, all throughout the church, and we hear this phrase, the new evangelization. I've actually already done a couple of shows on the new evangelization. That's how excited we are here at the Catholic Cafe. But, Curtis, you were just named to something special here. Tell us what you were, uh, what you were named to here. I was very honored. I got a phone call from the Vatican, which is always a fun thing. It's, it's, you have an urgent phone call from the Vatican. Uh, okay. You, you, took, you took that call. Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, that's okay. We get those every day. In a minute. Yeah. So, and uh, it was a, a phone call and said, uh, the Holy Father would like to appoint you as a consultor for the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, which is a tremendous uh, thrill. I mean, there's Cardinal Dolan, one other American layman, Ralph Martin and myself, who are serving, and uh, along with about, there's about 14 other uh, lay consultants and priests, and the rest of them are all bishops, and we're there to listen to the church and then at the appropriate time to share what God has, has uh, taught us about the new evangelization. It's a really exciting time. You have maybe a, a unique perspective now in this small pontifical council group. Tell us a little bit about what your vision of the new evangelization is or your, your perception of sure. the new evangelization. You know, I always like to start and say the, the, one of the challenges of the new evangelization is a lot of people don't know what evangelization is, so, so how do we know about a new one? So we have to go back and say, well, evangelization is a big, long word that's based in the Greek that means sharing good news. Right. And we, as, as Catholic Christians, need to recognize that sharing good news is part of our life in so many other ways. You see a great movie, you share that uh, with your friends. Hey, you got to check that movie out. Or any great experience, you share that. And so it's hard to imagine a great experience you wouldn't share. So why don't we share our faith? Maybe it's that we don't experience our faith as good news. And so the first part is just to awaken a realization that faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest thing there is. It's amazing, isn't it, that so many things that we want to share, and then when it comes to faith, I, maybe it's political correctness, maybe it's whatever's going on in your embarrassment. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's hard to get Catholics to even do the sign of the cross in public when they're doing their prayer before they eat their cheeseburger, right? It's, we're scared to be religious out in public sometimes, and really we're called to be evangelizers. Absolutely, and to recognize that faith is a deeply personal thing, but it's not a private thing. We should recognize that light is supposed to shine. It's supposed to come out of us. And so that, the new evangelization is a reminder that, uh, to the call the good news. And what makes it new is that we've always been called to share the good news, but this is a time for us to share 
the news with a new ardor, a new zeal, a new energy, and new methodologies, like sitting at a cafe and talking about Christ. <laughs> there are, these are methods that weren't available 500 years ago. And to then take a, a timeless message, it's the same gospel, but to restate it with a renewed energy, because we live in a world, as was stated at the Vatican when I was there last October, we, they said we are the generation after Christ without Christ. Mm. Every other generation has embraced Christ. We're the generation who seems to have found him wanting. Well, the problem isn't Jesus. The problem is we haven't articulated and lived the gospel the way that we should. And the new evangelization is all about the art of living so that people would want what we have. When the Holy Father wants to move on something, he doesn't just like pick something out of a hat and say, well, I think this year we're going to talk about this. You know, I think that we all kind of sense that there's a problem in the world right now. Deacon Jeff, one of the things I was honored to do was travel to Rome last October and for the first gathering of the Pontifical Council. And as we were there, the, the critics were saying, this new evangelization thing isn't going to catch on. You'll be lucky to get 100 people to attend. And there was quite a bit of skepticism in Rome. Well, to everybody's surprise, when 8,000 people showed up for the very first meeting, Amen. it was kind wow. of a big deal. And it was such an encouragement for me because you know, we live in a pretty small slice of, of the pie. We're in the United States. We're on 60 campuses around the country. We're experiencing the new evangelization, but it's a pretty narrow slice. And all of a sudden, we're meeting people from literally all over the world. And there's a deep sense uh, just across and around the world of a desire to reawaken the relational notion of, of, of Christianity that, yes, Christianity has rules and regulations, but it is essentially a relationship. And if I started to think about my marriage, by uh, essentially about the rules, some people would be really broken about my marriage. It's essentially a relationship. And the church is reminding us, no, it's a relationship with the living God. To come to know Jesus Christ and to trust him and entrust ourselves to him is the heart of Christianity. And this was the message that people were saying from all around the world. And this other sense that it's not something that we're going to have to wait for the Holy Father or the priest to do. They also have their role. But each of us should take an active role in the new evangelization. I should be an evangelist. We should all be ready to share what we find to be great news. Well, we as Catholics love to sit back in that back pew and kind of wait for the stuff to come to us, right? And we feel like it's not really our job, our place to either defend our faith or to even understand our faith. Really, we just do, as you said, we sort of tick off the boxes, right? We get all the sacraments we're supposed to get, and we'll kind of sit quietly in our pew and not and not evangelize. And the beauty of the Catholic Church is that that works. If you sit in the back and check off the box and you participate in the sacraments and you avoid mortal sin, you will die and you'll go to heaven. It's awesome. But that's not the way the church is supposed to work. That's not why the church exists. If the church was about getting to heaven, Jesus would never have come to earth. He was already in heaven. He came to earth to get other people to go to heaven. And sitting in the back and checking off the boxes won't help you get other people to go. That's why God has us live in community. Right. That's why we Absolutely. have people. Right. It, otherwise, we'd be born into these little eggs and we would stay there in these little cells or these little isolationist structures and not talk to anybody. But we were given two hands to, uh, to help people along the way, to pull people into heaven with us. Absolutely. And to, and to recognize a lot of, I think, lay Catholics, those who are not priests and nuns, tend to think of Catholicism as a spectator sport. And we have to, this is a full contact sport. And to recognize, we always kind of challenge the college students we work with, you know, what I want you to do for the next minute is I want you to breathe freely. And for the next five minutes, breathe as freely as you want, but only inhale. Uh, in a few minutes, you're going to discover there's a problem. Yeah. And if you kept it up for five more minutes, it would kill you. Yeah. And so we have to recognize a lot of Catholics experience their faith that way, though. They go and they receive the teachings of the church. They receive the sacraments. 
But when did you ever exhale? When did you ever share that with somebody else? When did mm. you serve? And when we engage people in the, in the work of discipleship, where they're not only receiving from the church, but they're giving to others, all of a sudden they come alive. Right. Now, okay, so I think we've, we've kind of convinced some of our listeners that maybe that, okay, evangelization is something that I'm supposed to do. Right now, how do they do that? See, here's the, here's the rub. Now, we, we say the new evangelization, everyone gets excited. 8,000 people show up to a meeting, and we all get fired up. We all got little buttons or stickers, and we all are very excited, and we start waving flags. But then we, what is it we're sharing? Now, I know we're sharing, uh, we're sharing Christ with others, but, but how does that work? How, where are we going to get the information that we're passing on? Where are we going to get the love that we're passing on? No, and you, you are, you're nailing it. This is the $64,000 question when it comes to evangelization. As an evangelical Protestant, I was a, with the evangelicals when I was in college, and I knew as a, a member of Campus Crusade for Christ, I knew that the gospel was the four spiritual laws, and you could buy this pamphlet for 40 cents or whatever, and you could share the four spiritual laws. And there's great biblical truth in the four spiritual laws. But the question is, what's the Catholic gospel? Because when you share the gospel the way the four spiritual laws is presented, which is a simple four-step, God loves you. It has a plan for your life. Sin has come into the world and into your life and has separated you from God and that plan. Jesus Christ has come to reunite us with God and his plan. And in order to accept that, you have to accept his son. Those, that's all true. But when you share the gospel that way, you're left as a Catholic with an appendix. Oh, yeah, and by the way, the Pope and the Eucharist and Mary. And it, it, all of the essentially Catholic elements seem like add-ons that right. are optional. We're just hanging those on to make it pretty. <laughs> yeah. And that is not the way that the, the apostles shared the gospel. When we see the apostles sharing the gospel, we see Philip evangelizing the Ethiopian eunuch. And when he evangelizes the eunuch, the eunuch's response is, Hey, there's some water. What would keep me from being baptized? Nobody ever heard the four spiritual laws and asked to be baptized. It's not mentioned in the four spiritual laws. So whatever's being preached by the four spiritual laws, as good as it is, isn't what the apostles preached. The apostles are preaching all that Jesus taught, which includes the sacramental system. We can't pick and choose. If Jesus is God, then we have to accept everything he wants to give us. And so he gave us the church. And so what do we share? We share all those aspects. But I would go back to the beginning and say, God loves each of us and desires for us to live in fellowship with him and one another. Sin has entered the world and has broken our ability to do that. Jesus Christ has come to restore our relationship with God and one another, and that reality is called the Catholic Church. It's God's answer to, to humanity's sinful problem. And so we have to recognize all, that within Catholicism, there's a rich gospel. Now, you're, the question that was a little bit deeper, and that is, so how do we do that? Because most people won't sit still for the explanation <laughs> I just gave. <laughs> They're in line buying their cheeseburgers, right? That's right. <laughs> no, and that's, you know, yeah, that's where relationships come in. We, this is, should, should be part of what goes on in our friendships. Uh, if, if you and I were friends for very long, I would introduce you to my wife. And we'd become, if we would have been friends for seven or eight years, and one day I said, well, I, I don't know, I have to check with my wife and see if it's okay. And you're like, you're married? <laughs> I think it would be, you'd rightly say either our relationship isn't very good or my marriage isn't really good. Mm -hmm. How could you hide such a central part of your life? And so we as Catholics need to be ready to recognize that one of the things that's very central, in fact, the most central, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. So the first step is we need to understand our own Christianity, our own Catholicism as that relationship. 
and they'd be ready to share it. I'm going to stop you there because there's lots more. That's, that's got about six or seven other questions, uh, you know, about how to understand our own faith. And we're going to talk about that more in just a second. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love for you to email me. Uh, it's deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Dominic de Guzman was born of a wealthy family of nobility in Spain in 1170. When she became pregnant, his mother had a vision that her unborn son was a dog who would set the world on fire with a torch that he carried in his mouth. St. Dominic would grow up to found the Order of the Friars Preachers, and the image of the dog carrying a torch would forever become associated with his Dominican order. St. Dominic loved learning. In school, he excelled in theology and philosophy, but he also practiced great charity. On one occasion, he had a collection of fine religious books hand-printed on parchment. He sold them all so that he could distribute the money to the poor. I could not bear to prize dead skins, he said, when living skins were starving and in need. St. Dominic was a tireless fighter of heresy and felt a strong call to defend the Catholic Church to all who would challenge her teaching. But sometimes he would get discouraged because no matter how hard he fought, heresy still remained. But as the story goes, the Virgin Mary came to him in a vision and showed him a wreath of roses which represented the rosary. She instructed St. Dominic to pray the rosary daily and share the devotion with everyone he encountered. If he did this, the Blessed Mother told him, the truth of God would surely triumph over heresy. Tradition also tells us that one day he had a vision of a beggar who, just like St. Dominic, was destined for wonderful accomplishments for the faith. On the next day, that very beggar was standing in front of St. Dominic, who reached out, embraced the beggar, and told him, You are my companion and must walk with me. If we hold together, no earthly power can withstand us. That beggar was none other than St. Francis of Assisi. At his baptism, St. Dominic's mother saw a star shining in his chest, and for this reason, St. Dominic is the patron of astronomers. He is frequently depicted with a star above his head in classic art. His successor as Master General of the Dominican Order, Jordan of Saxony, said of St. Dominic, Nothing disturbed the even temper of his soul except his quick sympathy with every sort of suffering. And as a man's face shows whether he is happy or not, it was easy to see from his friendly and joyous countenance that he was at peace inwardly. St. Dominic died in the summer of 1221. His feast day is August 4th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, the most luxurious corner booth, Mike Bishop, that I think I've ever been in. This is, it's, with you here, it's such a wonderful thing. Do you think that uh, Tom is going to want to come back and take a seat again, or is he going to let you be the co-host? You know what? This is actually rather frightening. You know, as I'm taking all this in, this is, uh, uh, there's a lot to take in here. You know what? That's good. That means we're moving somewhere, and we're, we're saying stuff that's worth listening to. You're exactly right. Well, wonderful. Well, and it's, it's helped by the fact that we have such a great guest. We have Curtis Martin here. And, Curtis, we were just talking about this new evangelization and this realization that we as Catholics need to evangelize. All of us, not 
not just certain Catholics, but all of us. And, of course, there's that question about, like, well, what am I going to tell people? I don't even know what to say. I don't really understand my faith myself. So how do we as Catholics become, I guess, more Catholic or Catholic enough that we feel comfortable in sharing our faith with others? No, there's a a basic principle in philosophy. You can't give what you don't have. And so that's one of the challenges with evangelization is I think we as Catholics sometimes have a allow the culture and habits to make our religion so private that we ourselves don't even think about it. We, we go through the motions, and the motions are good motions, but we have to recognize this is supposed to affect every aspect of my life. And, and so to be able to say, I'm going to be fully engaged, it's almost like falling in love. In fact, it is falling in love. To recognize that when we fall in love, uh, if I, when I fell in love with my wife, it changed the way I behave. I all of a sudden was looking for opportunities to spend time with her. Do we look for opportunities to spend time with God? Because if we're going to share a relationship, the first thing is we need to be in relationship. And so that's so key. And one of the things, as we practice evangelization on the college campus, we like to break it down into three steps, win, build, send. And Catholics frequently skip the win step. And you can imagine if I skipped the win step in my, with my wife when we first dated, it would have been on a first date, I would have looked across the table and said, uh, I really think you're pretty, and I think we should get married, and you should have my children. <laughs> and there's, there's a phrase for that. It's called restraining order. You know, you, <laughs> nobody does that. Why? Because the problem is I was trying to build a relationship that, I hadn't, that she didn't want yet. But we, in our human relationships, we win one another. There's a wooing that goes on. And we have to reawaken the fact that a lot of Catholics, millions of them, know many of the rules, but they don't know the reasons. And that flows from a relationship and for us to take the time. Because in parenting, there's a fundamental principle in parenting that says rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And when we apply that to Catholicism, it's when we try to catechize, try to teach our children but we haven't won their hearts. Now, we do need to teach them even from the earliest of ages, but we need to continue to win their hearts. I mean, you don't win your wife's heart and then stop loving her. No, it goes on and on forever. And so we have to recognize that the win stage never goes uh, away, but on top of the win stage, as there's this falling in love, we move to the build stage, which is answering the question that you have, Deacon, and that is, what do I need to know? And we really ask three questions. What do I need to know to think with the mind of Christ? And those teachings flow from the scriptures and the catechism and other church teachings. And then the second question is, what character traits do I need so that I can, be, that I can imitate Christ? That's a training in virtue. Right. What virtues do I need? And then the third step is, what skills can I be trained in to be an effective evangelist or an effective father or an effective businessman? What are the skill sets that I need? And so within that framework, we train people through focus on how to be evangelists. And it's a relatively simple thing because we're actually, the, the church's teaching on evangelization is, the first time I encountered it, is uh, revolutionary. Because the church actually says this about evangelization. I would never have said this until the church told me. But she says, evangelization is the church's deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. That was not my lived experience of Catholicism. Right. We exist in order to get people to be moral. We exist in order to, you know, whatever it might be. But I would never have said that. But what, what we're learning is that this is very true. The problem is modern Catholics are have an identity crisis. They don't understand the church's identity because they don't know themselves. They don't know Christ. And we can reawaken that because we know a lot about Christ. We have a formal structured relationship which is all good and awesome i have a formal structured relationship with my wife we're married went through the process went through the ceremony we got the license 
but I have a relationship with her that's even more important to me and is the reason I went through the structure. And we want to have the both and as Catholics. Absolutely love the structure, but we want to have that heart. Do you love me? Is the really the question Jesus Christ wants to ask each person. It's so much deeper and so much more profound when you live the faith, right? That's, it's that simple word to live your Catholic faith because people will talk about, well, is it enough that I just know these things? It is good to know, as you've said, but if you don't live it, it becomes hollow, right? It, it rings untrue, just like if you were to tell your wife you love her, but you really don't love her, or you don't know what love is. You can say the word all day long, but if you don't live out that love by your actions, if she can't sense that you love her, then it's not a real love, right? It's not a real relationship. You, you raise such a great point, and I think some of this is lost in translation, literally. When we use the word to know, we tend to think about you know, knowing facts. In fact, in Spanish, there's two words. To saber is to know facts. I know that two plus two is four. There's a second word, conocer, which means to be acquainted with. But what's beautiful is the language of Jesus, Hebrew, Aramaic, is the spoken version of it. In that, there's a word for to know, and it means something much more than knowing facts or even being in a relationship. The word in Hebrew is yada. And when you yada someone, you're in deep, intimate, personal, life-giving, lifelong relationship. You're in a covenant and when the Bible uses that word to know, it uses it in a very interesting way. The first time it's used is in Genesis. It says, and Adam knew his wife and she conceived a son. Yeah. Mm. That's not head knowledge. Wow. That is total relationship knowledge. The way that I know my wife. We are really have, have been knit together in a, in a beautiful covenant. God wants that kind of relationship with each one of us. That's beautiful. Now, so we're, we're, we're ready to live our faith. Right, we're ready to evangelize, and so here we are, smack dab in the middle of this new evangelization. And I guess some of our listeners might want to know, what does that look like? What are we getting ready to do? Is there something different going to happen? Is is Father going to preach differently in, a, in his homilies? Are there going to be some new programs on TV that I have to watch? What's what's going to happen? You you sit in this uh, uh, this room, right, with these select few folks, and you're kind of talking about what's going to happen in this new evangelization and and, and how it's going to play out. Give us a little hint about what we can expect as the average everyday Catholic. What's coming forward here in this next couple of years? Well, it's a very exciting uh, time. And I, the short answer to the question is I don't know. I have some indication. I think I can guess. But they really, at least have good snacks at the meeting? Because that's what, you know, we end up <laughs> the, you know, the, the, in Last October, the snacks were great. You've got to love that the church is in Italy. The, the food is great. Very good. But, but I do think this is where we are in the process of the church. The, the, the Holy Father has asked for a year of faith. It's a year of preparation. And we're in the midst of that right now, praying, begging God to send the Holy Spirit upon the church in a new and unique way. And then what this is doing is it's a preparation year. And in October, all the bishops in the entire world are going to get together for almost a month with the Holy Father. I've been very blessed that I'll be one of the few people that's not a bishop to be there. I'm ex- really excited about that. And for almost a month, we're going to pray and discuss and, and share what we believe the Holy Spirit has been telling us. And the Holy Father, the, the, the head of the, uh, of the church on earth, will take all of that in and in prayer, he will then leave that synod of bishops, what's the, what the gathering's called, and over that next year or so, he will write a document on the new evangelization and share with us where he's discerned the spirits guiding the church. But so that's, that's the longer answer. And so I don't know yet, but I think there's strong indications that the, that the Holy spirit is already moving people to recognize we need to live in conversation. I was with a, with a group of young people in Europe last year, just before world youth day. And I was a lot of European students and they said something that struck me as we were talking. They said, we have never once ever in our life ever had a conversation about God. Wow. They've been in classrooms and taught things about God, but 
around mm. a dinner table, they had never discussed God. They mm. didn't have a Catholic cafe there. <laughs> That's right. right. And, and, and to do just what, what we're doing right here at the cafe. And, and, and to discuss it. Because when you invite God into your conversations, it changes the conversation, right? Yes. That'll keep you up late at night talking. Yes. You know, the way, way we do at the Catholic Cafe or at Perkins or wherever it might be. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that, that is missing. And again, uh, that's the stuff people are hungering for. Oh, right? absolutely. So I'm hoping that this new evangelization really, um, well, I'll say it this way. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but what's the goal? What's the goal? Yeah. Where are we going? The goal is actually the central theme of the Second Vatican Council. Of all of the 16 documents of Vatican II that was produced over five or six years, and all that reflection, there's one document that's more central than anything else. It's the dogmatic constitution on the church. And the central chapter in that document is titled The Universal Call to Holiness. That's what it's all about. Every single person, every man, woman, child on earth was created by God and created for God. We're supposed to live radical a radical lives in union with him. And when we do that, we become holy. And that's for everybody. So the purpose of the new evangelization is that everybody could have an amazing relationship with God and with others through God's grace. And so that's what it's really all about. And there will be formulas. For example, you can go to our, our, our training page, focusequip.org, and you can go and, and learn the tools, but it's not supposed to be formulaic. We want to make sure that, yes, I understand what I should be sharing. What does the church, what, what does it mean to be a Catholic Christian? Yes, that's important. But it should be relational. It should be human. The way that you share the gospel and the way I share will be uniquely yours and mine. But the fundamental message is not a, is not a set of doctrines. It's a person. So what can we do now in preparation? So uh, these bishops are praying about it. Can we not pray too, or can we prepare in some way for this this year of faith, this opportunity for us to revisit our own faith and understand what it is to be Catholic? You no, know, I love that, and I think that every Ash Wednesday the church reads the same readings to us. It tells us the three things we can do to gain God's ear. We're to pray, we're to fast, and we're to give alms. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to pray for that. Good, but Jesus said to do three things, not just one. So pray, absolutely, but also to fast. Well, you mean I, I can't eat meat on Fridays? Well, during Lent, of course not, but maybe you're going to fast from television, or maybe you're going to fast from salt, or maybe you're going to fast from losing your temper. But to fast in meaningful ways that, that call you outside of yourself. And then to give alms. We have to be generous. And each of those three times, Jesus says, and when you do this in secret, your Father who sees in secret will hear and reward you. And that's what we're looking for. We're begging God through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that, God, you would grant a renewal because we live in a world, I think we all see, that if this world doesn't change, our best days are behind us. As our grandmother always said, offer it up. Right? <laughs> there you we're go. We're going to offer it up. We're going to offer it up for the uh, new evangelization. Curtis Martin, thank you so much for being with us uh, here in the Catholic Cafe. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and tell us all about your exciting week. We pray for you, and we look forward to uh, all the great work that, that our church is going to do from that perspective, but also all the great stuff that our church, from every perspective, every baptized Catholic is going to do for this new evangelization. Very, very exciting. Love the uh, corner booth here in the cafe. Awesome. Well, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you call us to be disciples, teachers, leaders, helpers, co-workers, fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, and friends. But most of all, Father, you desire that we all be evangelizers, spreading your gospel of hope to the entire world. Grant, we beseech you, that we will have the courage, strength, and fortitude to use every means at our disposal to reveal your love and mercy to everyone we encounter with a renewed sense of purpose. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. 
If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.